within the maze of London's underground metro system, there is a cultural phenomenon known as Ginger Line. Ginger Line is a series of clandestine dining adventures that bring together art, performance, food, and drink. It's been going on for four years, and during that time, they have had more than 10,000 attendees to these secret meals and activities, ranging from a Victorian banquet to, to an underground submarine, to puppet workshops, and to an insta-church where they took over an old cathedral that had been shut down and made it into this huge feast. The way it works is that you sign up online and wait at a designated tube station. At precisely 6 p.m., you receive a text message with a GPS location, and you ride the underground to that location and arrive to one of these elaborate dinners that's waiting in various themes. The final and most important instruction is that you keep the event a secret. It's sort of like the rules of Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is that you do not talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. <laughs> Gingerline works off of surprise and secrecy, much like the flash mobs that have become so popular in recent days, right? We've all seen the videos of normal-seeming days in malls or airports where the quotidian bubble bursts as a crowd breaks into song and dance. It's a lot of fun. One of the most popular internet memes of these uh, flash mobs was an incident in the square of Sabadell, Catalonia. A little girl puts a coin into a hat in front of a double bassist standing there alone, and he begins to play. After about four measures, a cellist walks up with a chair and sits down next to him. And we start to hear the very first hints of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Soon, a bassoon and two violins join, and the melody is more apparent. Then come more violins, and more violins. Then the brass, the trumpets, the trombones, the timpani, and suddenly from among the crowd, we hear a huge, huge choir that was not there before burst into Ode to Joy. It is overwhelmingly beautiful. It's where the comical and the beauty meet. There is something so special to the power of the human voice, particularly unexpected, but the power of the human voice singing together in harmony with no amplification. It's so incredible. Another flash, flash mob-like group called Choir, Choir, Choir taps into that. Has anybody seen those folks? No, Kathy, yeah, you passed on the, the email of, of Rimmer of, of Hallelujah. The, the, they did a version of uh, Leonard Cohen's uh, Hallelujah with Rufus Wainwright. And the way it works is uh, the choir, choir, choir just has, uh, uh, puts out a thing on the online, says meet at this place, and we'll all just, they teach the parts in about an hour and a half, and then some celebrity comes out and sings, sings a song. This, this week they did, um, they did David Bowie's um, Heroes, 
with David Byrne, and, and this is in the middle of Manhattan. Um, but these days, there's everything from impromptu choirs and symphonies to food trucks and sample sales. Check this out. This is unbelievable. I had to, I had to look this up in several locations just to verify it. In 2017, pop-up shops, you know, the, the little shops that move around and whatever, um, were a $50 billion industry. Isn't that amazing? All of these phenomena play on the same basic principle. The power of secrecy. Contemporary biblical scholars see that same driving force propelling the momentum of Mark's gospel. It is known as the Markan secret or the messianic secret. It occurs over and over again throughout this gospel. Everything is hush, hush. Last week we saw it as Jesus quieted the unclean spirit who let the cat out of the bag by declaring, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. This week the text says he, meaning Jesus, would not permit the demons to speak. Over and over again, Jesus tries to keep his messianic identity on the DL. As we see in this passage, Jesus is aware that if too many people find out, it will interrupt his ministry by having crowds hoarding around him and potentially put his life at risk from the political and religious powers that be. Of course, we know what happens. The secrecy only makes him more popular. The crowds come and the authorities do kill Jesus. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's take a look at what happens today. Jesus goes from an impromptu healing in the synagogue to his disciple Simon's house, which some claim was next door to the synagogue. When they get there, Simon's mother-in-law, yes, Simon was married. Yes, that complicates our notions of what it was like for him to up and leave and follow this weirdo he'd never met. <clears throat> anyway, Simon Peter's mother-in-law is really sick. And notice the language. They told Jesus about her at once. There again, we get Mark's sense of everything being immediate. At once. They told him. And here, Jesus heals the woman. She gets up and serves them right away, again. Everything at once. Everything happening back to back to back. Okay, I know some might read this and think, ah, oh, this, this is this woman gets up and, and is, uh, is serving the people? Is this another role of servitude? Is this another in just a thousand, thousands upon thousands of stories that we hear of women being nameless and subservient? No. No. This is a model of faith for a new community at that time. Remember, at that time, being a host, as, as a host, you were honored by people coming to, to allow you to be a host. I know we don't think about this much, but if, like, say, Obama or somebody were to come to your house, you'd feel honored by that. This is the culture in which they live. It was an honor to serve people who came to your house. This is not like, oh, put her back to, you know, 
some kind of uh, low work. This is an honor to her. She jumps in back into this work of the kingdom. We're going to come back to that in a second. Now, Jesus has been on quite a run for someone trying to keep a low profile. He's just healed two people back to back, one in public in the synagogue and one in a private home. He's also, he's also healed two people on the Sabbath, right? They were in the synagogue, Sabbath. Same day, Sabbath, second healing. So Jesus is already breaking the rules. And Mark makes a point of pointing out this Sabbath time with redundancy here. It says, that evening at sundown, in case you missed it, the Sabbath was over and the people brought to him all who were sick. Right? Okay, we get that. The whole city was gathered around the door. That's what Mark says. Now, I've been to Capernaum. Maybe I think a couple of you have as well. Um, I've seen the excavation. This was a small town right on the lake, on the north part of the Sea of Galilee, what we call the Sea of Galilee. The houses were crowded together. Just for context, the, the estimated population of Jerusalem at this time was 10,000 people. Rome, the massive center of industry and empire, was only 350,000 people. These are smaller populations. Capernaum was a village, maybe less than 200 people. But everyone from the village crowds into the narrow passageway in front of this house, and Jesus is essentially trapped there. He does the work they beg of him, the work of healing. But in the morning, Jesus needs rest. While it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went to a deserted place. Like many of us, Jesus sought solace in nature, in solitude. He went to the wilderness, and there he prayed. This Wednesday morning as I was uh, getting up and driving over to Devereaux for our Surfing and Spirituality program, I saw hordes of young folks with like blankets and comforters and all sorts of stuff walking back from Devereaux. I was like, what's going on? But I also kind of knew because I'd been driving there watching it. They had been watching the super blue blood moon, the lunar eclipse. Did you guys see it? It was amazing, right? It was absolutely incredible. Uh, I, I pulled up, I saw Danny, and we were like trying to chase down the last little bits of it because it, it got huge right before I saw Danny. I could see that it was huge, but it got behind the trees, and we, so we lost the, lost the last little bit. But it was just so incredible, incredible to see. It's one of those rare moments when everyone realizes we are part of something so much greater than our daily lives. For me, moments of solitude in nature or singing in a huge crowd of people or hearing great music inspire me to live into that greatness that we see once in a blue moon. 
They inspire me to live into the kingdom. That is why Jesus came. Remember, Jesus starts off his gospel proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God has come near. God is with us. 2,000 years later, it's still sort of a secret. It still hasn't landed. It's still a surprise. Maybe it's not a secret per se, but it takes a lot of deliberate action to live into it. Even if we get a glimpse of the kingdom, like a concert or a blue moon or a romance or a cancer-free diagnosis, it takes a lot to live into that sliver of beauty. It takes healing to realize we are healed. It takes the whole beloved community to form the kingdom. The kingdom strives for the healing of everyone. In his seminal commentary on Mark's gospel, Binding the Strong Man, Ched Myers references J. Pilch's work on healing in the New Testament, specifically with regard to medical anthropology. Pilch says, Biomedicine places primary emphasis on symptoms and pathogens. In contrast, ethnomedicine places primacy on culturally contrived causes of illness. The suggestion is that in Jesus' historical context, healing was a group act, not just an individual one. I recently finished reading um, the biography of Lakota Sioux figure Black Elk. And Black Elk uh, was in the Battle of Little Bighorn. He was present at Wounded Knee. He toured the world with uh, Wild Bill Hickok, his West, Wild West show. But he was also a Lakota healer or medicine man on Pine Ridge Reservation, a place very much still in need of healing. Black Elk talked about healing as a community act. In acts of healing, it wasn't just the medicine man and the person who was showing those symptoms. Everyone got together to participate in the healing. Healing brought everyone together. It was a community act. I thought about this um, as we went to, uh, some of us gathered at Sam Quinones' lecture on Dreamland and the heroin epidemic. Um, he talked about how heroin and American culture have isolated us. Um, and, and part of this came from the diagnosis that, that led to this epidemic. Not many people realize that, that uh, the diagnosis of pain and the treatment of pain has shifted very much in the last 30 to 40 years, um, including the, the uh, rate your pain scale, which was something that was not part of the culture um, previous to that time. Uh, but the point that Quinones made was that the diagnosis of pain comes in isolation. You come in, the one person in this one little sliver of time says how much pain they have. The doctor who is inspired for, uh, both economically and uh, just to get numbers in his door says, oh yes, that's your pain, I'm going to treat it totally in isolation. And from there, Quinones points out how diseases of addiction isolate us from one another. There's a lot more to it. I highly recommend you check out Dreamland. But the point is, we're all in this together, like we sing sometimes here. We 
heed not the religion of capitalism's individualistic compulsion, not the every man for himself, this rich get richer old boys thing. It's meaningless. It's no secret that the trickle-down wealth of Reaganomics is a farce. It's no secret that the earth is suffering under our individual pursuits of wealth. If we are to spread the good news of the kingdom of God, we have to heal the whole. We have to seek out solitude and healing that we need as individuals so that we can continue to do the work of the kingdom to provide healing to the community. So if you need healing... If you need solitude, if you need quiet, seek it out for the sake of the kingdom. Because God needs you just like Jesus needed Simon's mother-in-law, like this nameless model of faith. We know the work before us. Let's be cured of our isolation and consumptive illness and get to work. Let's live into this whispered secret. The kingdom of heaven is near.